The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. And we're here with uh, two suites in Sweden for the time being. Both of us as well. Anton Rasegård, once more, the top 25, under 25, you're a staple of it, and we're thankful for it. Um, we're here to talk about number 17 and number 16 on the list in 2022. And uh, why are you in Sweden, Anton? I am in Ystad, or a white town, as it could be called in English, <laughs> in the very, very, very south of Sweden. If you heard and, about, uh, about Wallander or watched the movies or TV shows. Yeah, or watched that terrible Young Wallander series. Yeah, but that's Netflix. in Malmö, right? Uh, it may be. It may be, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's why it's crap, because it's in Malmö. Uh, probably, yeah. <laughs> Most things out of Malmö are crap. Yeah. Uh, we're here, though, to talk about um, Raphael Harvey Pinard, who had a fantastic season yesterday, uh, or yesterday, last year, yeah. uh, in... Uh, in Laval, where he led the team in scoring and uh, also scored on his debut or one of the early games, at least, in Montreal. Mm. I think yeah, it was the debut, wasn't it? Or he got yeah, it's assist. impressive. It's it's impressive what he has done. Uh, the guy has turned 23 already, but he's you know really done the most of this last few years. Uh, a guy, guy who was passed over in two drafts and then drafted in the third possible you know, possible time, and he still falls to the seventh round, and the Canadians pick him up, a local lad, and then he goes on to, you know, get an AHL deal, then get an NHL deal, and, you know, it's just gone from um, from one... Uh, he's just like... It's basically like he's climbing up a ladder, and he's just like reaching that ne- next step all the time. And in, in his way, it's climbing Mount Everest, though. It really is, especially since he's a small guy. Uh, no, no, but it's it's really impressive what he has done, and and you know he has really shown that he's uh he's a player to build around in Laval, if nothing else. Um, and you know he he looks like he looks the part for being a possible, you know, at least a bottom bottom uh, what do you say like a bottom line guy uh, in in Montreal uh, as soon as they have moved on a few contracts because the intensity and ferociousness he plays with is is um, he plays like a player much bigger than his you know five foot nine stature and uh the fact that he can you know score some points as well it just adds to that it's um just like um we had another one that we were talking about i don't remember who it was uh it wasn't it was someone who had changed teams as well but i was just thinking about that uh that when RHP was drafted. He played for uh, Rouen Nuranda Huskies, and he was the captain there for his last season. And he had eighty-five points. And then he was, you know, switched over to Chico Timi, um, and he immediately became the captain there as well. And seventy-eight points in sixty-two games before he, you know, signed his first contract with Laval. And you know, he has seventy seventy-six points 
in the Laval, like in the AHL regular season, um, throughout like around a hundred games, and that's pretty impressive. Indeed, it is, and uh, obviously being a local guy as well, kudos to him, um, and and for the team to keeping faith in him in that seventh round. And there's been a, quite a few of seventh round picks that seems to be working out for Montreal. Not not all of them are are essentially Samuchinov or Arvid Henriksson, right? No, but it's impressive to like. I mean. Even the fact that these guys get AHL deals mean a lot because most guys drafted in the seventh round are like basically drafted and never heard of again. And the fact that we now have like Jake Evans, um, Caden Primo, uh, Rafael Arvipinar, and now Brett Stapley got an AHL deal, it just means, you know, that basically what Martin Saint Louis was talking about during the draft that it doesn't matter wh- where you're drafted or when you're drafted, it, that is when the work really starts. And you know, RHP is another of those guys who have shown that, you know, m- making the most out of your opportunity is all it really uh, means. And and the fact that when you're drafted, you get an opportunity to make a possible impact, e- enough of an impact to actually get signed by an NHL team. And once you're there, you're competing on, on you know, fair. It's a fair competition. If you're performing well, you know, we have, if we look at, you know, the comparison with Brendan Gallagher, just with the intensity and ferociousness and the slight stature, he was drafted in the fifth round and he's really, you know, one of the, one of the best, you know, modern day Canadians. So uh, yeah, let's see how far RHB can go. Like I only had him at 26th because I feel that he will probably tap out as a fourth liner, but at, you know, the same time, someone who has kind of, won all the matchups he's gone against he's just like he's just improved and improved and improved who knows how far he can go at this point because like you know jake evans for example he's starting to look more and more like a possible third line center and you know if rhb can be a third line wing or something there is clear value in that also he's scored everywhere he's gone he has yes much the same way as cole caulfield you Mm -hmm. gotta say you know if you can score somewhere you can score somewhere else it takes yeah, for sure, and and all that. Uh, he was eighteen last year. The the crew, yes, is is. I mean, like if you look at the talent that Montreal has brought in, and keeping yourself even and, and even going up the spot, exactly it's an impressive feat at that in in those circumstances. Exactly, we were talking about that before because if we look at um the guys we were talking about on the last podcast we were talking about Logan Mayu fell five spots from 15 to 20 and both Jaden Struble and Jan Mishak fell seven spots from 11 and 12 to 18 and 19 and the fact that RHP actually moves up a peg it really tells something about you know both what you know the staff and community think about him as a player and also about the season that he had that he's just you know he he continues to just improve and improve and improve and you know, 23 years old now. Um, it, it's something special with these seventh rounders as well, because Jake Evans still feels like a talent and he's like 26. But it's just because he, you know, he broke through so late, four seasons uh, at the NCAA level, then, you know, improving in Laval. It just feels like these guys, they have nine lives and they just continue on to show like they, they continue on improving season by season. So, yeah. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised, especially once Montreal has got, got rid of, of some of the um, uh, some of the uh, older players who are currently taking up a few forward spots in the uh, on the Canadians roster. 
you know, guys like Dadunov, Monaghan, um, Duran, guys who have expiring deals. I wouldn't be surprised if he's, you know, one of the first one to ones to be called up to to fill a roster spot at that point. Indeed, and and uh, it's it's very likely even before that, if you get an injury or anything, For you sure. want to score up, and, and you're probably going to pull RHP up, and and uh, it's totally understandable um, mm. going into that. Um, you, you obviously, Calfield is is a. Uh, a short statute person as well, and, and as is Gallagher, uh, you can compare them to to, to Rafael Herbie Pinar in different aspects. But um, obviously, it's get tossed around, and Adam, it's it's a short team sometimes. Montreal, yeah, that's you know what most most people who want to you know bash the Canadians for something, it's probably that they have too small of a team. I don't know if I agree when players like David Savar who weighs like half a ton um, or like uh, Joel Edmondson and you have I mean you have players who are bigger on the team as well especially now with Caden Gooley coming in and you know we have Logan Mayu in the pipeline it's like I understand that people maybe want a bigger forward piece but you know they just traded for Kirby Doc um, they are talking about trading for Pierre-Luc Dubois and if you were to get uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois as well sometime, you know, he has, what is it, two years left before he uh, is a UFA. So if you get him a few years down the line, then you have a pretty, you know, mixed team. If you can, you know, keep your your main pieces like Caulfield, for example. Um, and I, I think that is what everyone, like if you're a GM in the NHL, you want a team with, you know, both size and speed. And, and you know, you, you want something where you can kind of, elaborate and, and complement different skill sets with each other so you don't want like 12 5 7 guys but you also don't want 12 5, 6 5 guys so you want to have that kind of like different skill sets who can uh, you know be match up well with different competition indeed um, one with doubtless a ton of skill when everything works is Matthias Nolander mm-hmm. but um, falling quite rapidly in the rankings this year uh, for, for quite a few obvious reasons. Uh, what can you say about his season? Because obviously everyone knows what I will say. <laughs> yeah, it's it's difficult with Matthias because we know he has a ton of talent, but it just feels at this point that, you know, the injuries are kind of getting the better of him. Um, he doesn't get any kind of stability. Now it was a weird season with him coming over to Montreal and apparently being left there against his will a little too long. And then it's, you know, once he got back to Frölunda, it felt like they had already filled his roster spot. They didn't really know what to expect when he would be back or if he would be back. And, you know, he didn't really make an impact in the SHL and really felt like last season he was supposed to be like a leading guy in the SHL. And when you look at the stats from the regular season he had two assists in 21 games and really doesn't show you know that he was put in the best position to succeed or or you know the fact that he didn't you know improve once he got the chance by Roger Runberg but in the playoffs he was great six six assists in nine games unfortunately Frölunda didn't go all the way but you know Matthias Norlinder has you know he, he has a ton of talent he, he's offensively gifted he is one of those guys who could just take the puck and just roam up the field and and you know score or create a primary assist from from nothing because he's so technically gifted but if he's going to be out for half the games or something it's just 
it's the classic you know the best ability is availability and if you're if you're not there it's just like it always takes some time as well to get back into uh, you know the best shape once you're getting back from injury and everything and you know you really want to see him especially if he if he will be in Laval or if he will be even in the NHL this is you want to see him get continued game time and just you know getting confidence back because like we were talking about that before before we started recording here that it feels kind of like he's lost a bit of confidence right indeed and uh, we're going to talk to a specialist really and uh, it's uh, Fredrik Janalid of Göteborgs uh, Posten or Gothenburg Post um, he has followed Matthias Norlinder he's following Frölunda regularly and uh, it would be great for us to to really get an understanding of what he saw last year. Fredrik Jarnelid, uh, your uh, beat writer for Gothenburg Post, or Göteborgs Posten in Swedish. Yeah. And uh, you're way up to speed on Frölunda. You have seen Matthias Norlinder play quite a lot. Um, could you explain his return, really, from the NHL last year and... and what happened here in Gothenburg and Frölunda in regards to his development and injuries? I would say us who uh, cover this team regularly on a regular basis thought that uh, he was a little bit too soon to be over, if I'm going to be completely honest. Maybe a camp, yes, to try, but then going back straight away. Then when he got there, it took longer time, he got delayed, it felt like everybody here expected him to be back. He never came back, he was in AHL, NHL, he had his injuries. And coming back then after that... And brought in Borgman as well. Yeah. And then they replaced him anyway. Yeah, and made it even tougher for him to even have a big spot when he came back. But then when he came back, it felt like he uh, didn't have injuries still, but it felt like all these things back and forth, up and down, injuries, not playing, playing, sent back or not, it took a big toll on him mentally. So it took a long time for him to slowly, slowly getting back to himself. And at the end of the Swedish season, you can see a little bit of the old Matthias Norlinder, I would say. And also there were some injuries in regard to Frölund at that point, and he was moved to another line or partnership and, and it helped him because with Genoa he was there were two offensive defenders and no one really took the defensive coverage um, but what can he bring to a team you think now with this in mind a little bit of a setback and you know injuries before and he did have an injury coming back to Sweden as well I would say he is one of those players who really need to feel uh, confidence from the coach and the coaching <coughs> staff and his teammates to be able to play his game if he doesn't feel like the coach believe in him he tries to do his things but he doesn't really believe in them and then then he's not that good of a defenseman to actually play in NHL I would say but if he has a coach who believes in himself he should use as much in offensive zone as possible his weakness is still the D zone but with the puck he's a very very good defenseman and especially in power play Martin San Louis is the coach of, of, of Montreal and we've seen what he's been able to do with some of the young players can you see him impact Matthias Norlinder in the same way, positive attitude, changing some of the mentality as well? Definitely. I saw that uh, when he uh, got the coaching job, he said that uh, I don't really believe in a strict playbook. I want my players to be able to feel confidence to do what they think is best out there. And I think that suits Matthias Norlinder very well. If he really believes in Matthias and say, hey, 
I want you to do what you are, do best out there on ice and really believes in that. I think that Montreal will have a quite good uh, D-man in the future, but I think he would need another season at least to really get into it and probably be up and down AHL and NHL this year. Looking forward though, I mean, when, we, when he arrived to Frölundau, you could see the emergence maybe of a second pairing defender and and it took a toll obviously last year as you mentioned but what can you think is the like the ceiling for Matthias Norlinde in regards to NHL and maybe what is the uh, the floor I would say when he came to Flunda the first time, I thought almost sky's limit. He was very high recommended here in Sweden. Everybody believed he's uh, one of the new big defensemen from Sweden. It took a long time for him in Flunda to really start showing that. Almost a season is the same development we see with Philip Johansson this year's Vancouver Canucks has. It took a long time for him too to get comfortable by playing here. But uh, after seeing him a few seasons, I would say that he can absolutely be a good defenseman in NHL in the future if they believe in him and use him in the right way. But he will not be uh, top of the line. I would say third the pair maybe. That would be the top of him. Power play specialist? Yes, definitely. Uh, if I'm going to be a little harsh on him, you can almost say that he is a poor man's John Klingberg. He is, has the same strength in the offensive zone, very good on power play, but of course John Klingberg is better. Uh, Fredrik, uh, thank you for, for joining us. And uh, you know, if you don't re- uh, already follow um, Gothenburg Post for, for Frontline News, you really should. And uh, we appreciate you taking the time and being a friend of ice on the price. Yeah, thanks so much. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there we have it. He's also mentioning the situation in Frölunda when, when he was out for so long and Frölunda deciding to go after Andreas Bormann, who, who with his experience from, from North America, is a, is a great setup for, for, uh, Nor- uh, for Frölunda. But obviously it cost Norlinder his, his spot, a little bit like uh, Sebastian Kohlberg when he was over in ages ago. I don't know if everyone even remembers him, but he was over... Uh, lost his spot on the power play, never really got his confidence back, and uh, his career fizzled out more or less. Yeah, uh, and let's just hope that you know Matthias Norlander, now that he gets into a better kind of development system, I still think even though we haven't seen the new management to really be pressured yet because there are no real expectations on the Canadians, but it just feels it feels more energized it feels more light after 10 years of, of Bergevin and Timmons kind of like you know it, it, they wore out their welcome in the end even if we got a Stanley Cup final out of it and now with the new management it just feels like influx of new talent you know a, a well-developed system which even has an ECHL team now if you need to go down there and get some more playing time for a few of the younger guys it just feels like you will get your chances if you're a young guy and it's up to you to just, you know, take them and improve. Like we were talking about with Rafael Harvey Pinar, like now this is when the real work starts and not, it doesn't matter what you've done before in your career. It doesn't matter that Matthias Norlander, for example, has won the golden cage for best, best, you know, junior player in hockey Elsvenskan. Well, this is the Jacob Olofsson to, uh, to be Exactly, fair. exactly. And and I think, I don't know, if Jonathan Dalian won it as well or something. Yeah. But, yeah, but it's just like, now it's the time to really show that you can be an NHL player. Uh, otherwise, I'm sure Matthias Norlander would be a great SHL player in the future. But like, 
we want more from him. And what what really happened and in in Fronda last year as well was he was demoted to the third line when he came back and he was played with another offensive defenseman, Shaggy Genoway. And really, you you both they, they mistimed their hockey so bad sometimes that it was like watching two juniors because both wanted to go forward at the same time, both wanted to to uh, make plays, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Communication wasn't at skill. It really it was really clear that both had lost their confidence in themselves, and I think that was really what Matthias struggled with most when he came back to Frölunda. Uh, there will be no split season this year. Obviously, he can be loaned back to 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 a SHL team, but he doesn't have a contract in SHL, so he can't go back just just on a whim. Uh, he can be bought out and and have connections in that regard. But right now, I hope because I haven't spoken to Matthias uh, that he's full focused on AHL or NHL. He doesn't have to live in a in a um, hotel he can actually get a a uh, with two years left on his contract he can get a flat in montreal and and or mm. rent a flat and have a home because the feeling i got was really that he felt he didn't have anywhere to go when he was just in a hotel room all the time um mm. very difficult situation for him um i i, I, I was thinking as well when he was over i think there were still a few restrictions left in quebec right and it wasn't so... in sweden so you know yeah, uh, yeah, and I'm just thinking as well. Like, if you're away from home and you're like you're only 20 or something, we always kind of forget that that you know moving across the world and you don't really know how long you're gonna be there, and especially if there are like COVID restrictions and everything, so you can't go out and do what you want either. So you're just kind of like stuck in your own. Like you go and train and you go and play games, but then otherwise you're kind of like stuck with your own thoughts. That's difficult for anyone, right? So. It wouldn't be weird if he felt a little bit, you know, left or sidelined at that point, because like I would, too, if I was, you know, moving across the globe for the first time and, you know, wasn't taken care of. Yeah. And and I'm not going to say, you know, you can you have to prepare for it, but you probably don't prepare to get injured. Don't get, become I mean, he was sort of expecting to go home after a week or stay in the NHL, not being held uh, around the team and, and that. Unfortunately, he was injured as well when coming back to Sweden, so that hampered his uh, development and, and time on ice as well. But he really finished the, the season on a high, and I think that went a little bit behind the, the curtain or, or mm. people didn't really see it because their minds were already made up since he left for going back to Sweden. Um yeah, it, it will. But let's be clear, and, and I write this in the article, it really is a make it or break it year for Matthias Norland this year. Yeah, it really is. And especially because of how many defensive talents Montreal currently has. So he he can he can surely have some trade value if it weren't if 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 it's not going to work out in Montreal I think there are other teams who you know can see his talent and you know give him a shot um but but also there like... are two other Swedes at the market at, at the moment more or less Sandine and mm. um and um now I forgot the name but just because I said it Nils Lugvist. yeah true true and they have you know a better pedigree also... in a way yeah, exactly, from being drafted earlier and, and stuff like that. So 
yeah, um, it's it's an interesting situation for Norlinder. Like, obviously, being from Sweden, we always want our Swedes to succeed because otherwise, we won't read anything about about <laughs> the Canadians and Swedish newspapers. Um, but it's just um, you know, it would be fun to just see him max out his talents in Montreal because there really is something like an offensive dynamo hidden within him. And if he can just release the Kraken, then all of a sudden it could, you know, all hell could break loose. It could be a really fun season. Indeed. Um, you've been listening to the top 25, under 25, positions 17 and 16 with special guest Fredrik Janelid. I'll be sure to link to his uh, Twitter bio in, in, in the podcast. Um, we appreciate you listening. And uh, we hope to get back to you. We're trying to get in more names, more guests in order to spread more knowledge of, for everyone really into this uh, fantastic list that both you guys and us are doing our best to make even more special. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.